versus Family Face-Off. Coming to you live from the basement, Studio 18. I'm Courtney Lachlan, joined by the star of the show. Do you even need Wait an Wait a second. Like, Joe never introduces me like that. <laughs> I sort of dig that, Courtney. I hope Joe's going to watch this. That's how I'd like to be introduced on our show on with, NBC Sports. With the good inflections. Welcome. This is the star of the show, Craig Lachlan. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Week 8 of Family Face-Off. You can catch all of our episodes on realfundc.com slash familyfaceoff, or you can listen anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. Dad, how are we doing? I'm doing good. I think this has been a good run. I mean, every time a team wins that you follow, it's easier to broadcast. Yeah. It's more fun at home. You and I talking, chit-chatting about the team and around the league, but... You know, this run of 6-1-1 one, and one over the last eight has opened some eyes. And with this run, they're now at the top of the East, which I'm really proud of this hockey team, the way they've responded. So let's get into some things that we liked, we didn't like. Thumbs up, thumbs down, Dad, from the week. We'll start with the positives. Thumbs up. Thumbs up goes to Team D. Wow. I know. Because I feel like... um. <laughs> They've been our thumbs down quite a few times here on this show. I was all over them a little bit. That's when they were allowing 3.7 goals or sometimes more per game. The Capitals seem to have found their rhythm as far as Laviolette's game plan now defensively. They're still playing man-on-man in their own zone, but they're getting better support. They've allowed 18 the last eight games, which is so much better. Their high danger chances against are down. They're keeping the puck in the so-called bad ice outside the dot. I'm just really liking what I've seen. I think it's all the Zoom meetings, all the talks, all the... uh, I think the fact that now they know where they're supposed to go. You know, there's less Mm -hmm. think in their game. I said this on the air last the other night. When you think, you stink. (laughs) That's why I don't think that much. And so at the end of the day, I think it comes down to... It's just become natural. They're just going out there and playing this game, and they're following the instructions. So to me, it's a whole combination. Yeah, fans, it's taken them 21 games, but I think they've got it now. I like that when you think you stink. Is that could that be like a motto in like in real life? Like should we just like not overthink life and just act and just do? Absolutely. I like that. Yeah. Why when you not? Think you stink. There you go. Uh, life lessons with Craig Lachlan from Studio 18. <laughs> I do a little bit of everything. And Courtney, I'm thinking too much already because it's your turn for thumbs up. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it to a player this week. Wow. How about Nick Backstrom? I mean, mm. I I know everybody always praises and has been praising him for so for so long. With just his style of play, um, he's just so effortless out there, and yeah. he always amazes us. But how about this? Ten goals in his first 21 games, the best start he's ever had Amazing. in his career. Leads the team in goals. And I think it was even Alex Ovechkin that was like, he's one of the best goal scorers. <laughs> like when you have your teammates saying that about Nick Backstrom, leads the team almost, I think, in every offensive category. Yeah, he does. Um, just he's been fun to watch, and and he even said that he thinks it's come down to just the way that the team is playing under LaVulette. They have a much more goal scorers mentality of shooting the puck more. Do you think that's changed in his game? Totally. you see that? I think he's shooting the puck way more, and he's going to those hard areas. I don't know. When I think of Nick, I don't want to say he's too much of a perimeter player, but he makes those plays on the sidewall. He he makes the passes. Now he's scoring goals from 
whether it's kind of right off the goal line or kind of in that crease area, the getting high to the post, area. right? Absolutely. So I think that's it's been fun to watch him kind of play that different style of game that maybe we haven't always seen him play. And he's smart. And the biggest thing is, so he uh, probably thinks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you this about him being smart. When he was a young player, Courtney, growing up over in Sweden, he's often said, and he says that, you know, when I was in Sweden, when I was growing up playing hockey, I wasn't the fastest. I didn't have the hardest shot. Mm. I wasn't the best puck handler. But you know the one thing I worked on? He said, I worked on my mental side of my game. And to me, that also computes to hockey IQ. Mm -hmm. So it's hockey IQ, the mental side of the game. Because he knew he had to make up for some of his deficiencies. Right. And what a career now through 14 years as a cap. It's been amazing. It's a Hall of Fame career, fans. He should be in the Hall of Fame. Because once he hits 700 court, he's in an elite group of 54. And come on, he's got to go in the Hall of Fame. Is he going to get that this week? He's at 699, 699 assists. I know they were all hoping he was going to get it in New Jersey because that's where Ovi got that his That pissed me goal. off, by the way, Court. I know. That was, just, was such a cool storyline. Like, how did it it, and he scores instead, right? I know. And I'm like, <laughs> no, but I will say this. On one of his goals, I thought it was Backstrom from Backstrom and someone else. So I thought he was going to get an assist, no, he but he did. Yeah. Is he going to get it this week? Yes, he is. Okay. For um, sure. So that's our positives from the week. Thumbs up. How about thumbs down? Thumbs down, I'm thinking, Court. Oh. <laughs> okay, here I'm thinking again. This that's is bad. Scary. That's bad. I'm going outside the box and I'm going away from the Washington Capitals fans. Oh. I'm going thumbs down to the Buffalo Sabres. Ooh, yeah. why? Yes, why? because. Why are you hating on Buffalo? Uh, I'm just disappointed. I yeah. liked their team. I love the way the city came together for the Buffalo Bills. They mm -hmm. want a winner. And I thought this year, even when you and I talked, we thought the Buffalo Sabres could make the playoffs yeah, in the I East. I think I had them, if not in, a team that I was considering to be in the playoffs. Right. So now they're hit with injuries. Now they're hit with poor play among a lot of their players. Eichel's not lighting it up, and he right. had to sit out. You've got guys in the back end, Ristolainen, and the big Viking, I call him, not playing as well as he should. And then you have the $9 million elephant in the room. And I'm talking none other than <laughs> Jeff Skinner. And I love this guy, and he's one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. One of the finest players over the years that I've tracked him and followed him. And when we've done games, I've been amazed by his skating ability everything else. I think he's stuck at one goal. He's been a healthy yeah. scratch three or four games. There's something going on there, and he hasn't played more than 14 minutes or so a game. He's not getting what he needs to to fulfill his $9 million contract. So that is my negative. And it's we can go through other divisions, which we will mm -hmm. in the coming weeks, but my thumbs down in the East, and I'm not focusing on the Caps because there's no thumbs down with the Caps. Come on, they're playing <laughs> not great. at least this week. So it's Buffalo. It's the Buffalo Sabres Corps. Who are at the bottom. Yes. So there's no think. They just stink. <laughs> <laughs> How come there seems to be a trend in this show? Okay, your thumbs down. All right, I'm going to go. Okay, listen, what? We're 21 games through the season, Dad. I kind of am thinking outside of the box here a little okay. bit on my thumbs down. And that's the schedule. I don't know if anybody else out there is like me. But, Dad, I'm 
bored of the teams that the Caps are playing. I want to see them play Edmonton. I want to see Connor McDavid. I want to see the Caps versus Austin Matthews and Ovi versus Matthews. I want to see them play the reigning champs, Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm just finding at this point in the season, 21 games, almost just about halfway through, I'm a little bored. Just keep saying to yourself, the Caps are at the top of the league. <laughs> oh, okay. That'll make everything better, right? No, I, I understand that. And you've got a, some notes on that coming up, right? I do. And as a fan, I'm just tired of seeing the same okay. teams. And we, we're going to talk about the road ahead. They got Boston. They got the Flyers. They got the Devils again. So we did a little research. There is a three-week stretch starting in mid-March through April where the Caps play 11 straight games versus teams whose name starts with new. So 11, <laughs> who would have thought that that would be a stat? But it's a stat because we found it. So there's 11 straight games between the New Jersey Devils, the New York Rangers, and the New York Islanders. It's amazing. I get I get your drift, and I think some fans probably are thinking that, but we're just about halfway through the season. We're at 21 games. Yeah. We're just about halfway. There's been some very competitive games. The one thing that I think we're going to really enjoy about the schedule, but I think it's going to be the last 10 games or so, it's going to be how important each game is magnified, mm -hmm. right? You're not at the end of the season, all of a sudden, the Caps playing a home-and-home -home with the Detroit Red Wings and spanking them, and you're thinking, oh, boy, they're going to win the division easily. It's going to be tough down the rest of the season. But I think that last 10 games are going to be really enlightening and may mean more than they ever have in years past of teams trying to claw into the top four in because this Eastern they're Conference. they're not playing like you said, oh, it's Detroit. We're, we're, let's get four points here, boys, if they're Correct. having back and back. Correct. Like so there's both yeah. sides to it, but I get yeah. it. But I will tell you this, there's probably less work for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, as long as that's been taken care of. But it probably is easier, right? Because you yeah. only have to know seven teams. Correct. You don't it, have it, to study every other team in the NHL and prepare with all of your notes that we know that you have. Correct. You only really have to know seven teams. Correct. Hmm. Like, is there three other divisions in the NHL? <laughs> Apparently. Okay. Apparently. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, thumbs up, thumbs down, Dad, for the week. Um, one other topic that I want to get to as we're kind of in, like, our hockey talk segment is the goalie situation. Because mm -hmm. Samsonov came back. He played um, over the weekend. Not the best game. Nope. He allowed two leakies. Two goals on his first 10 shots. Yep. He's only played five games, though, since mid-January. Correct. Four in the AHL, one now in the NHL. It, it's going to be interesting to me to see how Peter Laviolette, and as a coach, how do you handle this goalie situation? Do you ride Vanacek? Because Vanacek was the backup, and he became the starter with Samsonov being out and obviously everything that happened with Lundqvist. What do you? What would you do as a coach? How would you handle this goalie situation with splitting games between these two goalies? Well, for the next six games at least, it's every other night, so you do have time to, number one, practice for the right. guy. They're trying to get Samsonov up to speed, and you can see on Sunday he was rusty. He wasn't his normal self. Two leaky goals on two shots. So to me, I, I think they've got to get him back into a groove because – I'm not so sure they know who's number one now. I think they feel they have right. two young goalies that are 1A and 1B, and who's going to be the guy that stands out? Well, if you're a Caps fan, you're saying, Vanacek's played 17 games. He's now the number one guy. Mm -hmm. But they do have to give, for Samsonov's work that he did last year, his resume, some games to get back into it 
to be the goalie that they believe he's going to be. You know, between COVID, the accident in the offseason, all that has sent him behind mm-hmm. behind the backstage. It, it sent him back and a he couple said of he, steps. And he didn't have an easy time with COVID, right? He said Correct. he had difficulty walking without losing his breath. And so. he said one of the worst times was the seclusion he had mm-hmm. to sustain over those two weeks. So, to me, I think over these next six games... I think Vanacek will get the bulk of the games. I'm saying four and two to Sammy. Mm-hmm. And then they start a stretch with three or four, three back-to-back in a row mm-hmm. where both goalies will split them and play three and three. And by then, I think by then we're going to get a better flavor for who's number one. Dad, I definitely think it's Vanacek's net, net to lose. But I think at the end of the day, the coaching staff is going to want to make sure that they get Samsonov in some games coming up. Yeah, they have to. I mean, they've got to get him on a roll. It's better to have two goalies that are going rather than one and hoping the other's going to. Well, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Dad, thanks for your great analysis of the Caps and their goalie situation. Cause we have Don't a... think too much. <laughs> You're right, because if you think you stink, remember, <laughs> we've got a great guest joining us on Family Faceoff. You guys all know him. He's the radio voice. Um, of the Washington Capitals. John Walton joined us to give his backstory. My dad was a professor at the University of Minnesota, so I started going to Gopher games when I was a kid. I went to North Stars games as a kid, and everything would freeze over pretty quickly by the time you got into December, uh, putting on the blades and heading out there. I have to be completely honest with you. I was not a very good player at all. (laughs) What position? I was a right winger. The only thing I ever let my yes. team in at any point was uh, was penalty minutes. I never. <laughs> now, now, did you have a famous uh, a favorite North Star back in the day? Oh, I, I, a bunch. Uh, I loved Bobby Smith. Uh, I loved Dino Cicerelli. Uh, Craig Hartsburg was always a favorite of mine. Uh, and funny enough, there were so many that ended up playing for Washington. I mean, you look at the Caps media guide. I mean. There were a lot of deals between Minnesota and Washington back in the day. Donnie Bolpre was a favorite of mine when he played with the Stars. I, I didn't really follow him as much when he was in Washington, but obviously I've gotten to know him and his son Connor real well every time we go to Minnesota now. So uh, it's neat for me to be able to go back when we play the Wild. I have absolutely no attachment to the Wild. That wasn't my team. That wasn't anything I, I ever remembered or, or cheered for as a kid. Uh, but it's always fun because there's so many former North Stars that are around the area and around the press box. That's always a big thrill for me. So you said you've been covering the Caps now for 10 seasons. How did you get into broadcasting? And was this something that you've kind of always wanted to do? Give us a backstory, Johnny. Come on. Yeah, you know what, Courtney? I, uh, for me, I always was fascinated by radio and television. And my first hockey memory was the Miracle on Ice. I was seven years old. I went to my first game, uh, the Gopher game on campus at Old Williams Arena and wow. that Center, and I, it was just something that I always loved the game of hockey. I love hockey and baseball are my two favorites. Uh, I would still to this day a big Twins fan, uh, but uh, hockey for me was always tops, and being able to associate when I knew I wasn't going to be a right winger for the North Stars, because I think <laughs> I realized pretty quickly <laughs> I, I wanted to be involved with a game, and I had taken to radio and television. Honestly, uh, and, and Craig, you would remember the show, uh, WKRP in Cincinnati when I was a kid was a favorite of mine. I wanted to be yeah. Dr. Johnny Fever. I actually had like, the, the Black Death Malt Liquor t-shirt. That he uh, and, you know, the, the big glasses. I thought being a DJ and being Dr. Johnny Fever was a um, so to do that, and, and I, I, by the time I was a teenager, late teenager, getting ready to go to college, I thought, you know, maybe I could be a play-by-play guy. I had no idea how to do that, uh, but I always wanted to. 
Now, is there anybody that you've maybe that has been an inspiration to you in terms of broadcasting or anybody that you looked up to as you were kind of getting to where you are today? Well, Craig Lockman was always a fan. This is why I always call you before we do these interviews. That was oh, right on cue, buddy. No. Thank you. <laughs> you ruined Courtney. Oh, you know, it's no. funny. I mean, I didn't grow up in this area. So, I mean, I the, the first Capitals memory I have is the Easter Epic. And, uh, and, and watching that with my dad. I lived in Ohio at the time. We had moved from Minnesota. And in, you just didn't get a lot of games. And the game okay. was at USA Network. And it was right. my game. And that was a, you know, I, I mean, the first time that I really remember watching Doc was in that game. And then, of course, uh, you know, I'm getting to know him over the years. He lived in Hershey for a time. I knew him even before I got to Washington. He's been a huge influence for me. What is your favorite memory or favorite call since you've become a Caps broadcaster? Oh, is know, there one that sticks out? I mean, one. I mean, if anybody was asking me, they would probably think immediately, you know, the end of winning, winning the Stanley Cup in Vegas, and and certainly that moment uh, and that that feeling, uh, I'll never forget. Uh, but honestly, I, I think it's in Pittsburgh. Uh, I think with with if with Evgeny uh, scoring the game winner in overtime, I uh, you know there was so many every time that it, going in that building, especially the years in previous. You know, leaving that building and watching Penn's fans celebrate, and we're going home, and we didn't do it again. And you know, it, it's just that for that feeling haunted you, even in the game six, even when you're up in the series, you're thinking, "Let's not go home and do this, please, please." <laughs> in here, and watching him score, and Ken Savage next to me, and, and Ben Raby was in the booth with us too. And I remember, I, I remember seeing it go in. There was that extra half hesitation and making sure that it was in. And I knew it was because Ken started beating me on the shoulder. You know, we, we might be the tallest broadcast team in the league, but he still got me by, you know, muscle and by so he's just pounding away on me. Um, and I think Ben got that too, but Ben's a little bit smaller. So, <laughs> uh, But just watching that puck go in, watching that reaction, and, and people have asked, you know, wouldn't it have been great if that was at home? Can you imagine what the celebration would have been like? And I said, you know what, it would have been great, except this was better. Because right. I got to watch everybody in that building in Pittsburgh leave quiet <laughs> and angry. And to me, that after all the years of going there and watching things end the wrong way, that was especially satisfying. <laughs> so uh, I actually wanted to ask you this about this call. You have pretty. You said the demons have been exercised, right? And is that something that you knew that you were going to say? Is it something that you had written down and or is in your mind? Or did it, was it just kind of like spur of the moment? That's just kind of what your call was when he scored. It was spur of the moment. I think with anything that, you know, in Vegas was probably the same way. I, I had been thinking that morning, if this is the day that this actually happens, you know, the idea of being in the desert, the idea of winning a major championship in Las Vegas, there was so much history around that. Right. There are things that sometimes will swirl around in my head a little bit, but I think with every moment, uh, there really isn't any way to plan for it, at least for me, because you just never know how it's going to materialize. Right. Like, you're going to be an overtime winner. Are the Caps going to win 4-1? Uh, are they going to, you know, get beat and go back for a game seven? So I, I don't really get too involved in planning anything to say. I just hope that my brain will answer the call. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a dicey proposition. Let's be honest. But, 
uh, but in that, it was, you know, everybody talked about that like, this team is just, it has terrorized this franchise right. for a quarter century. And there's never really been a time where they've been able to get by it. And so many demons involved and so many games and so much bad luck and so many beatdowns and all the things that occurred. Uh, it felt like this cathartic moment uh, in at the time. And I think that's just where it came from. Uh, you know, the demons are gone. Uh, it's right. time to move on. And, and the third round, which hadn't been seen in 20 years, it was it was just a great hockey moment for this franchise. Now, you've had great hockey moments. Have you had something happen in the booth that you said, damn, I wish that didn't happen? <laughs> or what did I just say? Have you had any of those moments? I know I have, Johnny. I confess I've had some. I know fans don't believe it, but I've had some of those moments. Oh, I know he had some of those moments because I'm like, what did he just say? <laughs> okay, so have you had any of those funny moments in the booth where you said at the end of the game, oh, my God, what did I do? Yeah, well, I mean, you could. I feel like there could be something every game. It's like we put together the uh, the blooper reel every year. Our producer Mike Callow, uh, and it is the funniest three minutes of radio we do. Uh, all of the things that we mess up. Mike puts them to music. There was a time that Kenny just lost his train of thought. I think we were in Anaheim. It was late night. It was a sleepy game, and he, whatever he was going to, it, it just didn't come out. Like, <laughs> that might have been because of the night before, Johnny. So I give him a break. Been, it could have been. I, I, I looked at him, and on the air, I was like, are you okay over there? <laughs> some kind of aneurysm or some problem up there? What's going on? Uh, last year, they got me. Uh, I don't know why it came out the way I did. Uh, it was a Haglund had scored a goal. And it, it made the score four to two. The caps were still down. And I, I said the caps cut it within two at four to three. <laughs> I didn't even know I said it. And and Mike, if you want to break the next time, he's like, Do you even realize what you did? I'm like, What are you talking about? And he played it back to him. I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> well, I went to the post game show mid game, Johnny. So I'm a <laughs> Okay, before we let you go, we got to do a lightning round. Okay? Lightning round, okay. Yeah, your favorite hobby. I like cooking. Uh, I've taken up cooking during the pandemic, and I have, uh, you know, become, I, I love being in the kitchen. It's relaxing. I love doing it. Well, we've been over there a lot. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> <laughs> um, most, re <laughs> uh, most recently watched TV show or series or movie. Oh, you know what? We watched uh, Money Heist on uh, Netflix, which was uh, a Spanish show that was dubbed in subtitles, uh, La Casa mm -hmm. de Papel, which was actually really good. I, I enjoyed that. Drink of choice. Locker 18. <laughs> See, you're on fire. This is why we have you on the show. No, is it beer, wine, or mixed drink overall? Uh, you know what? I'm a, I'm a beer guy. Uh, Joe B has definitely enhanced my wine knowledge over the years. I've learned a lot from him. I, I've gotten into uh, – Jen and I went to Portugal a few years ago, and we got into port wine, which I – Wow. I really do enjoy. Um, and, and, you know, it's not something you drink a lot of, but it's something just as uh, a little nip every now and then. But IPAs are, are at the top of my list. Uh, Jimmy. Our, our IPAs and we love them. Um, favorite band or group or artist that you love to listen to? Oh, man. There's so many different things. Like, I actually worked at a rock station, believe it or not, when I was Wow. wow. What was your name? What was your name? You must have had uh, some tagline. No, I, I was I was just John Wall, if you can believe that. <laughs> I know. And then everybody thought it was made up because of that TV show in the 70s. Like, you're not really John Wall. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I, you know what? I mean, back in the day, like I, I liked The Cure. I liked Depeche Mode. It was an alt rock station. So, I mean, there's a lot of different like, little bands I like. The bands I usually like would come to places like 930 Club. You're not going to see me at two Right. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Okay. If you could meet anyone present day or in the past and sit down and have a beer with them, who would that be? Uh, Gordy Howe. And, and I was really close to doing it. I had a, uh, a time when I was in Hershey where Mark actually brought him to a game right after Christmas, right after his wife had passed away. And I got to meet him and, and my son met him as a little kid. Uh, but I would have loved to have had that opportunity just to hear him tell stories about back in the day. Gordy Howe. Wow. <laughs> I know. Have you met Gordy Howe? Yes, I have. I really? met him. Yeah, he actually at one point, way back in the 80s, he did color for home team sports when I was actually playing because they brought him in because his son, Mark, was playing for the Flyers. He did it for one series and all of a sudden he was gone. <laughs> I don't know why, but wow. he did. Okay, so number one then. Number two, I've ran into him at some games, but one of my greatest stories ever, I was in Tampa Bay. Joe B and I were doing Caps versus Tampa Bay. In between periods, I had to run, go to the washroom, get back into the booth. And on the way, I stopped in my tracks, Courtney. In front of me, you had Gordy Howe, Phil Esposito, wow. Robert Gordon Orr, the great Bobby Orr, and Mr. Scotty Bowman. All in a huddle, and I sort of just <laughs> went there, and I was in awe. At the time, back in the day, I didn't have these cameras and iPhones and everything. So you didn't just, like, snap a selfie? No, I wanted to oh, so bad. Man. It bothers me to this day because they are four pillars of the National Hockey League. But I got a puck for Mr. Howe to sign back in the day. I've got a couple of autographs, including one that they, my dad got in Toronto, out in front of Maple Leaf Gardens, way back, I think, in the 60s really? of Gordie Howe. Yes. That so, reminds me of cool. like, those little autograph books. You remember when we would go to Disney World and I would get all the Disney characters <laughs> yeah. to sign autographs? Now I just picture like Grandpa standing outside. The oh, arena yeah. To get That's pretty awesome. Cool. I've never heard that story. Yeah, pretty cool. Wow. I'm sure you were just like... Yes, I mean, I wish I would have got the picture with those four guys. Well, we heard how John Walton got into broadcasting. And so, Dad, I I never heard that Gordy Howe story. And so I'm unsure. Maybe I have. Maybe I haven't heard the story of how you got into broadcasting. But I don't know. Enlighten us of how how are you even sitting here today doing family face-off? What got you into the broadcast? Well, it's an interesting story because it started during the Easter Classic way back in the day when the Caps went five overtimes and Pat LaFontaine scored in that spinorama that we'll always remember when they defeated us four games to three. I was actually injured for that series and still to this day thought if I was healthy, we would have won the series. (laughs) Wait a second. No, that's another backstory. That's (laughs) another Landover Yeah, that's another story. I can't go into that. But at the end of the day, they had nobody that they could interview between periods because there's five overtime. The guys are just losing weight like crazy. At the end of that game, I think Langley lost 24 or 25 pounds. Wow. So the guys couldn't come out of the locker room for interviews. So I happened to have, I had Hockey Night in Canada. I had Home Team Sports. I think there was another carrier that was there also that I did interviews for. And there was a lot of us that were injured, including some of the Islander guys. But I seemed to be on every intermission in the overtime. And at the end of that, Mr. Bill Brown, who was the executive producer at the time for Home Team Sports, says, Craig, you might have a career in this if you really want to do this. So why don't you follow up in the future? And I was playing in Germany at the time, a couple of years later in 1990, and we were going to go. We had an opportunity to go to Germany after Toronto, and 
at Canada's Wonderland that GM called me, Max Fiedra at the time. I still remember him like it was yesterday. And I had put together a good season. And over in Europe, if you don't make the top eight, you go to a relegation round and have to play the bottom 12 or top 12 teams of the Division Two League to see if you're allowed to stay in the Division One League. Is that in, so that's in all sports? I think it's, it is over there, yeah. Because I didn't know it was in hockey. Hockey, yes. And neither did I because I was wow. ready to sign for the St. Louis Blues back in the day. And then the St. Louis Blues said, no, we can't sign you because you're going to the relegation. I said, well, why don't I just quit and come over? And they said, the International Ice Hockey Federation will not allow me to. So I had to finish the year. We ended up going 16-2 and two or 18-2 and two and 20 more games that I wow. had to play. And they then started talking contract. And they said, Craig, we want to bring you and your family back. What do you want? And I said, a Mercedes. I said, a washer and dryer back in the day, which they didn't have in the houses. And they all of a sudden. Just a small list. I know. And all of a sudden they came back and said, yes. And I asked for tutors for you guys. You guys were very young. I said, let's get tutors too. So we put in everything but the kitchen sink. And they came back. Yes, 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 yes. And I was like, really? And so then I had a decision to make. And mom and I sat down. And we talked and talked and talked, and we went back and forth. One day it would be, let's go to Europe and Germany again. The next day it was, no, let's stay here. Mm-hmm. And it went back and forth so many times. We didn't know where we were. And finally, in Canada's wonderland, mid-August, in Canada, in Toronto, outside of Toronto, Max Feeder, I had to give him an answer because I was supposed to get on the plane the next day. And I had talked to Bill Brown. He had done a, a TV thing with me. I had to come in here to Washington to do a pretend game. So like an audition An audition-ish, yes, to see if I could be decent at this. They offered me the job. So when I called Max Fiedra, he said, Craig, we're looking forward to you flying in from to Frankfurt and then to Munich, and we'll pick you up, and this is going to be great. We're going to have a great year. And I said, Max, um, got something bad to tell you. Mm. We've talked it over, and I've decided not to come back. And he was like quiet in the other end. And then he says, well, why did you make that decision? I said, because my back's so sore carrying your goddamn team last year. (laughs) I'm going to retire. And he said, what? And so the next day in the sport built the big paper over there. Lachlan retires due to back injury. And that's the end of it. (laughs) So that's how I got into broadcasting. Did you ever set that record straight as to why you retired over there? No. I wanted everybody to think that my back was sore carrying their team (laughs) why am i not surprised that's the story um but i actually i mean i've heard that story several times but i actually had not heard this i change it up too don't i (laughs) no it's like stayed pretty consistent but i I never heard the easter epic story oh yeah we're literally down in the rink and getting oh yeah and all the all the camera crews were there and they were always looking for people to interview because there was no one available right so they were grabbing anybody they could find and i said yeah i'll do it next intermission no problem i kept doing them and doing them and doing them who would have thought that that would turn into you doing family face-off from studio 18 in the basement so it all comes (laughs) all full circle Um, yes interesting story dad thanks for sharing you got it we thank john walton for joining family face-off and giving his background of how he got into broadcasting so I guess, Dad, let's look at the road ahead. As mm-hmm. we always do, we like to close out the show. Oh, they got the Flyers again. They got Boston. They got the Devils. <laughs> we I already went really through care. that with you. I don't really care. So you tell me what, what well, you think Well, I think the Boston games. series is a big series. Yeah. I think that's the biggest one. I mean, when you're looking at the schedule, you want to compete against the big boys. And Boston was running cold there. And then all of a sudden, they got a little hot. They got a wind under their – they got some yeah. wind behind their sails. I mean, they got pounced. 
trounced twice in New York yep. against the Islanders and the Rangers, and they respond with a win. So they're getting back. Their D is still suspect. I think that's an area the Capitals can be a game changer with. They've got to get on their D because they've got some injuries and they got some guys banged up. They picked up Mark Tenorti's son, yep. Jared Tenorti. They thought they needed to be a little grittier. You know, we had Jared back in our network hockey days, right? We did. I would not go into the corner and fight him for pucks. That's no, for sure. He's up, he towered three oh, times my size. Yeah, and his dad obviously played here. So these two games are the critical ones. They, yeah. They've got to match up against the big boys. Well, and as you said, too, like even the 10 games in the stretch, maybe at the end of the season, that's where you're going to fight for the points. I do feel like every time you have these back-to-back, especially with the team that's close in the standings. With right. Boston, you don't really want to lose those points. No, and you want to play well. You've got to outplay Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask is playing pretty well this year, so Sammy or or Vitek are going to have to play, and they know they're going to be tested. When you have Marchand, Bergeron, right. Pasta, I mean, look out. They've got some challenging shooters there. So while you're looking forward to the road ahead of the Cats yep. playing Boston, Flyers, Devils, um, I'm looking forward to some upcoming family face-off episodes because okay. we're going to have Joe Beyond to do some wine tasting. Oh, you man. had all your beer. Now it's time for me to have some fun. But I didn't drink any tasting. during that oh. show. I can drink the wine now. This is great. Why didn't, okay. I don't You're know right. why I didn't. That's true. So we're going to do a wine tasting, and then, Dad, we have one of your great teammates joining the show. Bent Ake Gustafson. Bent Gustafson, we called him Gus back in the day. He played a ton of games here, but he's most well-known for his five-goal game fans against the Philadelphia Flyers. And he's an amazing guy. I play. He played with on my line quite a bit, but he also played with Dave Christian. But an absolute Swede through <laughs> and through. Like these guys, hockey IQ yeah. for Swedish players is off the charts. And he's one of the first to even come into the NHL back in the late 90s. So or late what, 70s. So that's what you can expect on the road ahead for the Caps and the road ahead for Family Faceoff. We thank you guys for joining us every week. You can check out our podcast on realfundc.com slash familyfaceoff or listen to other episodes anywhere you get your podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, on all the podcasts. I have to send us away with this. Okay. Good morning, oh. good afternoon, <laughs> and good night, Caps fan. And the demons have been what a great guy. Thanks, John, for being on our show. And see you guys later. Thanks for watching. Family Face Off, Courtney Lachlan, Craig Lachlan, the star of the show. Let's go, Bye Caps. Again.